KXRN LP. Laguna Niguel, Laguna Beach. Member supported. KXFM on 104.7. KXFMRadio.org. This disclaimer is a statement notifying listening audiences that any opinions expressed on our shows are not representative of Laguna Radio Inc., its management, or its board of directors. Hello, this is Craig at KXFM 104.7 Human Crafted Radio. I'm here every Saturday at 9 a.m. with Rainbow Radio, where we discuss the latest news on LGBTQ interests and discuss on this day in history. Every week I have a special guest and we have interviews. Reviews again, Rainbow Radio, Craig, every Saturday.
Good morning, Laguna Beach. This is Craig, KXFM 104.7 here on a sunny, sunny day, 53 degrees on my way in this morning. And I have a fabulous show for you this morning. I can't, uh, I've been looking forward to it all week. I hope so, some of you have as well. But first, we got to get the weather out of the way because, you know, that's why a lot of people tune in. They don't care about anything but the weather. So here we go. <laughs> sunny, high is 61 degrees. It's that's That's on the verge of beach weather. Winds are west, uh, southwest, five miles to 10 miles an hour. That's not much. And 69% humidity helps keeping us young and youthful, which is very important. Uh, and for the week coming up tomorrow, you know, we've been saturated. We, we're all going to start growing fins and have scales on our body and retreat to the ocean in a few more, <laughs> few more weeks away we're getting rained on but it's all good it's all good i keep telling you it's, it is all good really uh, i do want to say one thing i think mother nature is pissed mother nature is she's i'm not going to take this anymore you people down there you are messing things up so bad <laughs> this is my wrath <laughs> take it <laughs> no, anyway that's just a i'm entitled to my opinions that's what they say here at kxfm it's so 60 degrees uh, on Sunday, and it's going to be in the, around 60 degrees all week long. But it's going to be uh, rainy and partly cloudy and rainy and partly cloudy all the way to next Friday. And then next Saturday, sunny. <laughs> next Sunday, sunny, sunny, sunny. So we'll just have to postpone our most of our beach outing. But you could, you could squeeze a beach outing in today, I think, if you're really, if you're really hardcore. <laughs> So that's that's my hope for today. Um, if you've tuned in, because I have a fabulous guest who is a repeat here at KXFM 104.7, I am so glad you are here. We had such a, I, I felt, uh, uh, a very meaningful, thoughtful, introspective, <laughs> heartfelt <laughs> I think I cried, actually, which is not a bad thing. Guys need to learn how to cry. When Davina was here before, Kotulski, is that right? Kotulski, close enough. Okay. <laughs> think of a cat with a tall ski, Katulski, Kotulski. Okay, cat with a tall ski. Mm -hmm. Okay. And, and we, we, so Davina is back today. And you might say, well, why is she back? Well, because she's been very busy and she has a new book out. And this is fiction, right? Yeah, this is my second novel. Um, my first novel, Behind Barbed Eyes, was uh, about uh, a woman in prison and a, a psychologist and their kind of redemption journey. And this is my um, second novel, and this is bit, but it's my first LGBTQ novel with a LGBTQ protagonist. Do, let me give you a little bit about Davina. She's a licensed clinical psychologist and sought-after speaker and award-winning bestseller author. Now, she has two books out that I don't want to dismiss because they're, oh, in this day and age when there's there's so many so much angst out there and we seem to be so angry with one another and ourselves, she had written two books, The, the Mana Paradigm Shift, mm -hmm. is that right? And uh, It's Never Too Late to Be Yourself, which I, I love that title. And they're... they're um, can you give me a brief synopsis of both those books and, and maybe why you, you put them out there before we get into your fiction? Because I think I think they're the foundation of, you know, your experience and, and then they 
blend into your new your latest novel. But go ahead. Yeah, th- thank you. So um, my day job is I'm a clinical psychologist, as you mentioned, and then um, my my passion is writing. Uh, so um, I combined the, the the love of both, and I wrote two books that are self help books, self self empowerment books. It's never too late to be yourself. Is kind of like having a, a therapist or a life coach in a book. And it takes you through the process of uh, how to make changes in your life and take back your power and, you know, go how to go through the change process so that you can, you know, live a more intentional life. Um, and then the mana paradigm shift, uh, creating the consciousness of abundance and freedom, is how to work with your inner psychology to uh, trust life and, and to raise your inner vibration, you know, listen, California language there, uh, <laughs> to be more magnetic to good things in your life. So it, it it's on the parable of um, the Israelites fleeing uh, Egypt and wandering in, in the desert um, and how they left the, they, they let go of their enslavement or they left, they ran from their enslavement, but then they found themselves in the desert and how, um, when they leaned into a higher consciousness, a higher spiritual consciousness, you know, the universe, God, whatever, gave them what they needed day by day. So it's helping us see that um, we can move towards our freedom, we can move towards what we want in life, and when we do and we keep our our focus and our energy high and we work with our inner psychology and our spirituality, that life shows up for us. Um, And uh, yeah, I'm about to go on a couple of weeks, I'm going to go on a satirical podcast where I'm sure they're going to rake me over the coals about that. <laughs> but it really is about, you know, what we focus on um, magnifies. So if we focus on the negative, we're going to magnify that in our life. If we focus on what's going well and that gratitude, it doesn't mean all our problems are going to go away. It's not, you know, toxic positivity as some people want to talk about. There's literally about, we, we have a tendency to already be negative. We have the, the negativity bias, the confirmation bias, where we look for what's wrong and we magnify it. And when we can focus our gratitude and focus on what's good, it, it creates more positive energy. It's why people that um, people tend to reward people they like versus whoever's the hardest working. It's interesting thing. It's like yeah. you know who your your energy is very um, important. And your mindset is very important to what you generate in your life. And and that is the of of your two books. That's the mana one, right? Yeah. yeah. And I just have to throw out my very first book was called "Why You Should Give a Damn About Gay Marriage." And it came out, <laughs> I love it. I, I wrote it well twenty years ago, and it came out in two thousand and four. And I have to say, it's what's I'm grateful. It's obsolete uh, in many yeah. ways because. Um, all of those arguments to get marriage equality, we now have marriage equality. It's a fun read. Uh, you know, why your average serial killer has more um, straight serial killer has more rights than your average, you know, same sex couple. Um, mm. You know, and uh, it, it looks at, at all of the different rights and uh, that came with marriage that we were being denied, that LGBTQ people were being denied. And um, it's it's you can still find it, but it's not in print anymore because you know, luckily in uh, I believe it was 2015. We finally, June 2015, the United States finally uh, gave us the right to to equal marriage. There, Hopefully, we're going to keep it. We've got some really yeah. nasty folks out there trying to roll back our rights, 
Um, and there's, I hope I don't have to republish that book. There's still that was people my that, very first book. There's still people that need to read that book out there. Yeah. And on another news item, I just this just this morning I read uh, in Tennessee a judge uh, in injuncted <laughs> injuncted. <laughs> Yeah, the the law uh, for against drag queens that it that it was to go in effect at midnight last night uh, that banning uh, drag queens in the entire state in Tennessee. Well, there was a yeah there was a, a law got passed by the and signed by the governor this last uh, within the last few weeks, and it was to go into effect uh, last night at midnight that uh, drag performances would not be allowed in the uh, in the vicinity of children in any circumstance, and and they were very ambiguous about a lot of the the part of it. So someone brought up the um, you know the comparison that they have uh, guys at sports events that dress in drag for cheerleaders, mm-hmm. but if you had a, a another guy that dressed there as a drag queen, the drag queen couldn't participate because they're drag queens and they're not sports you know and, and anyway that that yeah, was a little bit was, 1930s uh cabaret yeah. Berlin. well judge said it wasn't that, that 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 it was they should have known is what he said he he gave them hell essentially he said you should have known this was against free speech and not and unconstitutional yeah. and therefore i'm i, I i'm going to uh, bring bring it to a halt uh, and will not go into effect and you need to either rewrite the bill or make it something that it, that's legal but as it stands it's not legal Good. and i thought that's great that kind of shades of marriage here in california when uh prop 8 got repealed because it was unconstitutional yeah but thank goodness for the constitution <laughs> right right we're, yeah. we're, a the- we're a democracy not a theocracy but there's a lot of people trying to you know make us a theocracy then there's the comparison of they put the red ants and the black ants in a jar and they got together along very well until someone started shaking the jar a third person and then they then they came out and fought each other and and became angry and they didn't survive and that's what i think uh, on some level the media is shaking the jar for a lot of us and uh, somehow the retreat is to do what I say every morning on my show. All as I want to know is the weather. I don't want to know all this other, all this other angst out there in the world. Yeah, and I think that's a good defense once in a while when you feel a bit overwhelmed. But uh, let's let's head back to your new book that is out, and it's Flowers for Sarah. Yeah, is this a bit autobiograph autobiographical? Great question. Uh, no, it is not. Uh, the, the only autobiographical elements are I'm a writer. I also identify as non-binary, uh, you know, and uh, attracted to women um, and went to Venice. Did I ever tell you, in spite of all that, I love you, <laughs> Davina? <laughs> but go on, I digress. Yeah. So, 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 no, I mean, definitely wanted to write a character that I could relate to because, you know, there's, there's not a lot of... Uh, uh, protagonists that are non-binary, you know, assigned female at birth, um, lesbian, butch, you know, however you want to describe. We have, there's so many different labels, but yeah, um, you know, uh, there's just not those stories out there. So I, I started writing this quite a while ago, um, and um, I wanted to write a story about that experience, uh, you know, what it's like to be that, but um but the story is is really a, it's a coming of age story. Uh, it deals with elements of um, you know falling in love with someone who's in the closet and uh, and the challenges that that brings up. Um, 
trying to find yourself as a young person, uh, wanting to prove yourself as a writer, like those different kinds of themes. Mm -hmm. But then there's a lot more that goes into the story. Um, it has a lot of twists and turns. Um, part of it is to take a look at uh, how oppression repeats itself and commonalities in, in oppression. Um, so the the protagonist, Danny, you know, is struggling with with trying to to write her novel. And when she loses a bet with her uh, best friend, who is a successful San Francisco food writer, she ends up um, going to uh, Venice, Italy, where she is supposed to stop chasing women and really focus because uh, she's been she's been flirting and chasing women and, you know, uh, to to distract herself from her writing. So um. a lot of writers find reasons and, and artists, we find reasons to distract ourselves. A lot of times it can be something codependent, getting caught up in somebody else's drama or maybe an addiction. And, you know, um, Danny I, has a bit of a, I want to toss a phrase out there that yeah. speaks to what you're speaking. And don't fear the distance between your dreams and reality. And I think we that is that fear that we allow these other things to be distractions from because we fear that that space between our dreams and reality and our dreams deserve better than that. Yeah, absolutely. That's a really yeah. good point. Thank you. Yeah. So um, so it's Danny finds themselves very distracted. Uh, you know, like what they're what Danny's good at is she's good at sexual conquest. She's good at getting people to fall in love with her or to sleep with her, et cetera. Um, and so there's a lot of, um, you know, that's, that's her safe zone, right? Uh, where she's not safe is in her writing, right? That's where the vulnerability is. And so she's keeping herself um, from being vulnerable again by, you know, just, just racking up the sexual conquests and, and doing this. And so her friend's, commenting to her, you know, like, you're you're not really taking this seriously, and you can't call yourself a writer. And mm. so, so right around her 25th birthday, she loses this bet, and so she ends up having to go to, to uh, she agrees, she'll go, and she'll stop screwing around, and she'll write her novel. Why, why'd she pick Venice over all places? Well, her friend picked it for her, and her, and she, so her friend uh, is a is successful an insightful her, friend? What's that? Was she an insightful friend? She had a reason Very for picking friend. it? So, uh -huh. If you've never been to Venice, it is the Renaissance city. It's it's one of the most beautiful places, I think, you know, humanly created wow. uh, on the planet. It is gorgeous with the the Venetian canals, these, you know, buildings that are over 100 years old. The city itself just celebrated its 1,602-year anniversary. <laughs> so it is an ancient, beautiful city that was built upon a lagoon and... It's gorgeous. You walk through it. It's a walkable city. There are no cars, right? So you're safe as a pedestrian. There's not going to get hit by a bicycle or a car. <laughs> um, it's quiet. And when you walk, you can hear you can hear uh, heels on the cobblestone. Wow. You can hear the lapping of the, the water. ocean water, <laughs> of the Adriatic Sea coming up and, you know, just... Oh. kissing or licking or whatever the the brick buildings the stucco and it's um it's a city that's connected because it's it's the adriatic adriatic sea it's connected to the lunar tides so it's you know the ocean coming in and out and in and out and so the the gondolieres the people that have navigated the city they have um 
charts with moon tides so they know when high tide, low tide is, when the different monthly tides are, and how to navigate the water. It's a beautiful city, and it's it's painted with these gorgeous colors like siennas and you know Venetian reds and and yellows mm. and these beautiful flower boxes with. Um, you got me. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it, it's just breathtaking, right? And you can walk down the street and smell the croissants being made, you know, the brioche being made in the uh, in the bakeries and the, the cappuccinos. It's it's just a marvelous place. So her friend's like, oh, my God, Danny, you, you love Dickens. You love, you know, Byron. Um, they all went to Venice, you know, go there and write. It's where all the greats write, Shelley, Byron, write the poets. You've got to go there and it will ignite your senses. It will bring you back to yourself and your heart's closed. Your senses are closed. You're writing from your head, right? Your frontal lobes. And you need to write from all of your senses and from your heart. So, um, Mm -hmm. you know, her friend says, well, you could, you know, I'm a food writer. I went to Vermont and I was in the farm stands and, you know, the, the, all of this stuff and that all the culinary delights. And that was great for me, but I don't think that's going to do it for you. But Venice, I think that'll do it for you. And so they have a they have a bet and she loses it. And so she she goes to Venice and um, her heart does start to open up and she meets this intriguing tour guide named Sarah and um, begins to to learn a lot. And I don't want to give the whole the whole book away, yeah. but it, she really goes starts to go through a powerful uh, transformation. Sounds it sounds wonderful. You certainly painted a, a beautiful picture of. Of a of a place I'd let put on my travel plans for sure. <laughs> um, it, it's an incredible place and and um, very rich with history and with art and um, people should go there and they should go there for a couple of days so they can really feel the city. Most people come in on a giant cruise ship. Which yeah, I, I know. I I've watched those documentaries and there's such uh, angst um, um, in the local community about that because they come and yeah. dump their toilets and. <laughs> And run into their other buildings, and and yeah. generally they're just not welcome there. Uh, it, you know. the, the, the the cruise ships are so tall; they absolutely dwarf the city. They're they're enormous eyesore, and they also displace the water. And it's a very you know it's it's a it's oh, a wow. city that's built on the water. So cruise ships really need to stay out of Venice, and people can come in that you can come in on a. Um, the train, the train comes in, you could, there is one place where they can drop you off at a cab or a bus. Or what's really cool is if you fly into the city of, uh, if you fly into the Marco Polo airport, um, because that's where Marco Polo was from, you can take a either the, uh, like the the Vaporetto, the it's kind of like a an air, an airport boat bus in uh-huh. um, or you can take a private water taxi in but what's amazing is is when you're traveling over the open channel of the water and you arrive by boat and you begin to see the city and it's just exquisite and it, it's it's such a treat to come in by boat because you just get to slowly come up to it and see that this architecture that is phenomenal it's like looking through a kaleidoscope you know um, just, just beautiful, thoughtful touches. Even the doorknobs uh, there have either lions or screaming heads, and, <laughs> um, statues everywhere. It, it's just gorgeous. It's it's very good for the soul. So, when she, who was the uh, who was the person uh, the personality in the in the book that 
meets Sarah. What's her name? Danny. Danny. So when Danny, did she have any idea that she, when she traveled to Venice, that what was going to greet her there? None at all. Just that her friend promised her she would have incredible gelato. And, uh, <laughs> Gelato, <laughs> uh -huh. and that the, the that that it would there would be lots of you know just beautiful architecture and it would be you know very um, inspiring for her creative soul. So she and, and, yeah. she went with an open mind just to to explore. Yes, with not yes. great expectations. Nope, just wanted to see what it was. You know, she she wanted to trust her friend that okay finally i'll i'll go and i'll i'll focus you know and and this will be inspiring and it'll be like a writer's retreat so knowing you and your a bit mm -hmm. from our conversations um is there some uh, apparently there's an element in there of self-discovery i suppose with danny and some yeah. growth in her personality that's kind of uh shown in the in the storyline mm-hmm which uh, um, reminds, I don't know why it keeps reminding me of the alchemist when he learned so much about life uh, to discover it. it brought him back to himself, you know. There's something about Venice that is magical and spiritual, mystical perhaps uh, is a better word, that I think does help people come back to themselves. And it's interesting because I've gone multiple times uh, to write this book, and every time I go... Um, something a major transition happens after i come back it's oh, wow. interesting there's something that that becomes clearer to me i get greater clarity and and uh and i'm able to make more changes in my life and in 2011 i i i guess it was in 2010 i i had this epiphany of i suddenly realized i wanted to take writers to venice with me while i was working on this book and i could feel it i was like this is a beautiful place for a writer's retreat and so I created oh. what was called the Seduce Your Muse writing retreat. And <laughs> I rented a palazzo um, and I put out, you know, things to people and just, just advertised that I, and I created this whole writing retreat that included life coaching and transformation as, transformational aspects. And um, a group of people came, like I said, I rented this palazzo. I had folks from Canada, the Netherlands and the United States come. Um, and so we had uh, a couple of different uh, flats in this in this palazzo, and we met. Um, I had we did a, a muse walk where I had people get, go buy masks. We it, just a lot of really um, really profound uh, writing prompts and exercises, and, and did some deep uh, kind of inner work as well. And it was phenomenal. I had I just wow. had such a phenomenal time with these writers. And helped them, you know, as Julia Cameron would say, open a vein and really connect. You know, if you if you're familiar with the Artist's Way or the Vein of Gold by Julia Cameron, she's such an incredible writer and teacher, and um, you know, helping people connect with their inner, inner artist. And so, um, I really wanted to create something like that for for folks where they could have some really deep writing prompts. So we went to the fish market, the peshery, we went to the vegetable market, we did, you know, wrote about different foods, we had different outings, we did sketching. Um, it was so much fun. And then I led more of them after that. Um, but it was just just a really beautiful experience. And everyone went away uh, with with a different, um, you know, uh, a different 
transformation of their lives and, and understanding of themselves and connection to their their inner writer. And I actually write about that in um, It's Never Too Late to Be Yourself. I actually begin the book talking about the Seduce Your Muse workshop and uh, one of the participants that that came. And, and um, when she came, it was the very first time she allowed herself to present as female. And uh-huh. uh, so it was a person who was um, um, transitioning and going through the transition process and uh, was able to attend um, and for the first time come only bringing uh, female clothing and owning her her inner woman, her right. inner and outer woman, I should her say. She already had her inner woman. And it was just delightful. Just of delightful. This, um, what do you say? Entertain your muse? What? What is what? Oh, oh, seduce your muse. Seduce your muse. Yeah. So, how many oh. people were were in this excursion? Um, this one, it, there were, uh, I think, uh, five or six. It was a very, it's a very Do, intimate gathering. I'm just su- supposing that you still have a, a connection with those five people as a result uh, of that, or some of them, yes, and some of them I'm still Facebook friends with, and one of them even posted a photo that that uh, from uh, yeah. it was. Um, what when was 2011 12 years ago yeah crazy yeah yeah one thing for me and you speak of art too and being afraid to be your artist i my personal experience is was with art being a being fearful that uh people would not um like my art but i didn't Uh realize that that was my fear i thought my fear was oh i'm just too busy and you have all these diversions and i think when i finally did my first pieces of art and it was very cathartic it was very liberating and uh yeah i would self-expression and and that's that's the thing right we are all vulnerable when you put yourself out there you could get rejected people could say this is crap i remember that i went to a a writing workshop as a young person in college a poetry workshop and the visiting poet teacher like looked at my poem and said how is this a poem and humiliated me in front of the entire class i didn't write for years after that yeah oh that's horrible that's abuse. I'm it was sorry. abuse. Yeah, it was abuse. It yeah. wasn't until later in life after I was established that I took another writing class and felt comfortable sharing. Um, so, you know, I, I think that, um, you know, that we could talk about the the writing aspect of this book and how it is so important. It's scary to be a writer. It's scary to be an artist, to be a performer, to put yourself out there. Yeah. Um, it You know, it's vulnerable. You're you're and yet, you know, if you don't do it, it'll kill you. Because if you're a creative person, right, you don't express <laughs> Now, that's yourself. interesting. That's a topic into itself, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, it's like it, it's you have these gifts, you have these desires. If you, uh, you know, sublimate them and don't express them, it's like you're, you know, um, you're hobbling yourself in some way. You're limiting yourself. You're limiting your joy for sure. And, and what... Um, the the seduce your muse was about is that uh, each of us has um, an inner muse, right? That that and to be creative, we have to connect with that. We have to give it what it wants, right? So I call it seducing. I but love like, it. <laughs> yeah, your muse could be like you, you you like to listen to Donna Summer and you put her on and you dance around and it makes you feel good, right? Or your muse could be you know. Um, cooking and making beautiful meals. Your muse could be a walk in nature or sitting at the beach, but it's what, um, it's what we all need, you know, to, to kind of 
grease up that inner artist like what does that artist need to be filled up and so the seducing your muse is is a part of that and so uh danny's friend veronica who is a successful food writer understands this and says you know go go to venice and seduce mm. your muse connect with that part of yourself open your heart again and connect with your senses i think uh, uh this, this is an observation i think muses are so often stifled and so far pushed aside but people uh, lose that vision of what their muse is. And I, I say that because what I've done many times on the program is, and I love the topic because it is, I, and I try to bring it up in everyone that I, we have an exchange with, is what is your passion and what makes you get up in the morning? What do you find exciting? What, what, what brings light to your day? Mm-hmm. You know, and it, because I think so often I've heard so many people say, I'm living my passion and I, you know, I'm doing what and making money and not necessarily that money's the answer, but I make money doing what I'm doing, which I'd probably pay to do because I enjoy it and it's my passion. And uh-huh. I, that's a very fortunate person. But if you don't do yeah. that work and understand your passion, you'll never find your muse yes. <laughs> in the process, you know? Yeah, no, it's so true. And, and sometimes, you know, it's like sometimes our, our creative pursuits, um, either, you know, you may or may not, uh, you know, get a billion dollars for it. Like, obviously, you know, Stephen King, uh, he, he was working as a, um, he's got a wonderful book called On, On Writing, and he was um, doing laundry for uh, catering kinds of things. Yeah. <laughs> and, um, you know, uh, just not 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 doing he was writing and then he had his his day job and then he got i think an insanely amount of money for carrie in the 1970s right um and changed his life and is and is able to you know obviously support himself with his writing not everyone is able to you know fully support themselves with their creative pursuits either acting or writing or whatever but um it you still got to do it you know it's that that's the point is to express yourself the point is to share your gift the point is um, you've got something to say or you've got something to share. And, uh, you know, you you may or may not, you know, um, be Simu or, or Stephen King or whatever, but you do it and, and maybe you will, you know, but it's like you do it because it, it makes you come alive. Yeah. yeah. I just got to say quickly, this if you're just tuned in, this is Craig on KXFM 104.7 in, here in Laguna Beach with... Davina Katulski. Katulski. <laughs> I think I. <laughs> and we're discussing her new book, which is just. Uh, is, it, is it released? Is it out? Yes, it's out now. Can, mm-hmm. where, where the heck can you get it? <laughs> so uh, it's out in uh, paperback and as an ebook. So you can get it from all your favorite online uh, book sellers uh, Amazon, Barnes and Nobles. Uh, um, indie um indie bound you can buy it through powell's bookstore you can contact your local bookstore and ask them to order you a copy and you can get it everywhere the audiobook is not yet out that will come out sometime will this you, summer will you na- narrate it yeah i'm, I'm going to work on that uh next month here and um yeah. i'm excited to try to to do these uh all these characters and italian oh accents <laughs> well, well that's a new new a new chapter right there <laughs> yeah you know, I did the other audio books, but they were pretty straightforward because they're like self-empowerment books and they're in my lane of, um, 
of uh, life coaching and therapy. This will be the first time I'm going to be, you know, relying on my uh, nascent acting skills. So we'll see how that goes. You know, <laughs> um, I'm going to take advantage of you as as a life coach and therapist and, and sure, a, sure. a PhD. Did have you seen the movie? Um, oh no, I can't think of it. Uh, it's the two young boys, adolescent boys. Um, I can't think of the name of it right now. What was the heck is it? And it was just well, out. Are, do, do you have close, it? close, close? No, I haven't seen that. Well, I, so I guess I can. Anyway, it's called close, close. Um, I'll, I'll put it on my list. It's it and the the uh, the director producer of it. He he's interviewed and he's a great interview about him but it's about two young boys mm -hmm. i suppose they're eight or nine and they develop a close friendship and their friendship is like beyond the stars it's something that they connect and there's no there's no sexual anything in it in fact it that never is a part of it in, in the story but it goes on and shows the kids how um puritanical and how um, honest their their friendship was, and how much they cared for each other, mm -hmm. and that as young innocent boys, without knowing any prejudice or in having any judgment or having being groomed for anything, uh -huh. I put that out there. That's a good one. <laughs> um, Just everybody's over focused on grooming. Yep, yep. They share their friendship. Uh, unabashedly and 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 it's it's really good and then it, it progresses to where they be, they become older and they're criticized for their friendship that it, it's not normal and and there's a lot of other and, and in fact homophobia uh, keeps them from yeah. is a pressure to keep them from caring for one another and there's a lot of studies done on that where uh when you become 14 or 15 those ad attitudes change dramatically mm -hmm. and and perhaps in a very damaging way and well, men teenagers are more self-conscious right and and so they're more aware of misogyny and homophobia and those kinds of things because teenagers are awkward they want to fit in and they're nervous so then they start to be more um kind of toe the line for yeah. whatever is the yeah exactly yeah. i think that's what happens and um i just thought you had you so you you can see that in your experience, right? To, um, oh yeah, I mean I think that that um, you know again we 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 are still trying to undo the vestiges of misogyny and homophobia and heteronormativity and and evangelicalism mm -hmm. in this mm -hmm. country. I like that world. ism. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I mean if if you look at um, or colonialism I mean, from the British Empire, Lynn, that's for you. <laughs> There you go. Yep. I mean, again, if you look at, at other countries where uh, men kiss and kiss each other and it's, yeah. that's, that's normal. Um, yeah. I mean, again, I think that, that this, these are all constructions of what is it should be or shouldn't be. And um, it keeps, uh, I think that the instinct to love and be connected and have intimacy um, and be vulnerable and trust is normal and healthy but we people are conditioned to be different how are you going to kill somebody if you know be in your army if you don't learn to hate other men or be suspicious of them you know or, or squelch your feelings of of connection and and 
your your heart. You know, wow. Industry of that. Um, so yeah, it's like it's a learned value that's not yes. um, inherent in in its innocence. Um, well, I I have not seen the movie, but I've listened to interviews and I and I've been trying. It's uh, in theaters, and I'm trying to find out where it's at. I'm trying to I'm trying to stream it on my <laughs> my VPN is what I'm trying to do at home, but I, I want to see it because I do think, you know, I mean, in in some cases where there's some innocent, not of age, young adults, maybe they're 17 or 16, and they have sex, mm-hmm. uh, maybe in a maybe one is a little older than the other, maybe by two or three years or vice versa, maybe it's same sex, maybe it's heterosexual sex, but they learn that that's a, a, that they were too young, that's an abomination, and through their conditioning, they learn to loathe themselves for having that experience. Mm-hmm. When I feel it was truly an innocent not, and, and the damage comes more from the attitudes that are imposed on them than from the actual experience. In, in some cases, not all, but because I do think there's a lot of predatory activities out there. But I think that there's innocent activities that get drawn into that. And, um, and that's tragic because it destroys lives, you know. But um, what do I know? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> so um, this, uh, I just want to say, what's, what's in Davina's future here? She's got her, her new book out. And um, are you you still have your your biz your uh, you're doing your um, counseling and your yeah yeah yeah, yeah. I'm still still doing therapy. Um, Where are you now, located? Well, I'm now licensed in California, Oregon, and Washington. Oh my and goodness! I'm doing all teletherapy. So since since the pandemic, uh, I've just decided to go completely online. So um, and I got licensed in three different states. And um, uh, so anybody that's in that state wants needs a therapist. (laughs) Oh, that's an easy do. Just get licensed in three or four states, you know, no problem. West Coast, (laughs) left coast, best coast. Well, it's the center of the universe, you know, this West Coast of the United States. (laughs) Absolutely. Yeah. So so DavinaKatulski.com is my website. Um, Right now, uh, I'm in Washington State. And um, for a while, I was kind of going back and forth between uh, Los Angeles and Washington State. Right now, I'm in Washington State. Um, that That's probably going to be my home base for a while. And um, But I will continue traveling, hoping to do some book tours and, you know, getting out and speaking now that things are open again. Yeah. Uh, you know, do you just, enjoy public speaking? I love public speaking. <laughs> I love, I love it. Yeah. Me? Well, you can I, really reach out and see people's uh, expressions and and connect, right? No? Yeah, I love I love doing uh, workshops. So I like to travel and um, and do events and uh, you know do self empowerment workshops, things like that. I like to do writing workshops. Um, you know, I'm I'm kind of in a in a bit of a taking stock place right now in life um i would i'm considering like my next project uh is well there's two things one is i would really like to um turn these novels uh into into movies so i have two screenplays i have a screenplay for flowers for sarah and i have a completed screenplay for behind barbed eyes which is the uh again the prison novel about an armed bank robber 
and um, who you know, goes through the process of uh, to redeem herself. And um, we're looking into moving that project forward. That would be filmed in the Bay Area and uh, and in Washington, Oregon states. Um, so really wanting to to turn that into um, you know take that from a book to a screenplay. I mean to a to a movie. It is a screenplay. And then um, at some point, I, I would love Flowers for Sarah to be a, a movie. I think it would be spectacular. I'd love to be in Venice uh, behind the scenes, watching it filmed, um, oh, wow. supporting the, the well, folks yeah. that there. Um, so I think that I think you know uh, that that's those are you know talk about dreams and reality. So those are my my big dreams is to be able to see these these books become films. And to share it with a wider audience that maybe, you know, doesn't yeah. read or, or really just bring it to the big screen. Because I think, again, the visuals of Venice are so beautiful. Not everybody's going to be able to travel there. But, you know, yeah. going there and being able to create a film that, that shows people this place and helps them connect with it on some level, I think is really important. I, especially if it's going to disappear under the sea. I always like to interject and, <laughs> and enforce my way, my way in here. But... I think it's more than the the beauty of Venice. Uh, your your movies are, from your experience, they are a method to share a part of yourself about how healing and how healthy we can all be for having our experiences in life and understanding them. And the movies are meant to represent those experiences and give you an opportunity to understand them and through that some of what's going on in your own world. And that brings... Uh, a lot, lot, lot to a lot more people than a one-on-one. -on -one, you know, it's kind of casting a wider net and and helping humanity is what it sounds like to me. But uh, yeah, yes, thank you, thank you for sharing. And that. good for yeah. you for doing that. <laughs> There's a lot of people out there that need some help in humanity, <laughs> especially lately. Jesus. Yeah, it's a rough world. I, it's a rough world. I know. I uh, when I get to watch something that's uh, funny or inspirational, you know, it's it's uh, it's medicine for the soul for sure. Because it's or it's a salve. It's it's yeah. It's rough times. There's a lot yeah. of reality in our reality. Yeah. Uh, you know, um, the other thing is I'd like to at some point write a, a memoir about um, you know growing up. Uh, you know. It, we're in the in the 80s and in Portland, what that was like, um, writing about my coming out experiences. Uh, I was in Portland in the 80s. Were you really? I was. <laughs> and you know, Darcel died. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Yes. Yeah. Darcel was a neighbor for a while. Um, oh, no. <laughs> and, uh, when I was 16 years old, I was at a fundraiser and got to be a, I was a, I was a drag king. Um, and <laughs> Before they were even drag kings. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Strut around on stage. I did a, a lip sync to uh, The Wanderer. Uh, <laughs> yeah. uh, so, and I don't know if you're familiar with the uh, the City Nightclub back in in Portland. Uh, that was a whole institution, which is a, was a fascinating place. It was a literally an underage nightclub. The rafters I went to a lot. This was a, this was a a youth club. Oh, there no. were several youth clubs, uh, dance clubs in Portland. For there were some for straight kids, some that were mixed, and that were and one that was particularly an LGBTQ place. And so, um, you I know, should say for our viewers, Darcel in Portland, yeah. Oregon, is uh, 
uh, it's a person, Her na- it's a man, and he's married and had kids and everything, but he, he loved drag, and he just died at, what, 92? 92. 92. Mm-hmm. Just yeah. this last week, uh, unfortunately, but for 50-plus years, he's had this uh, venue in Portland, Oregon, and, and it's just got famous uh, and much to the point where even the city of Portland, Oregon, recognized the contributions and the many wonderful, wonderful things charity-wise that uh, Darcel had done. And it was kind of like, if you go to Portland, you got to go to Darcel's. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and I've been to the performance. It's just a mixed bag. It's just from lumberjacks to, I don't know, to to emos uh i mean everything everything was in the audience and and it was just uh the only commonality was everyone wanted to have a good time you know yeah yeah and so it's been it's it is literally a portland um you know bedrock of portland uh uh you know just like other the rose garden or the japanese garden (laughs) darcells you know it's I, the 70s or the 80s I, I can't remember but it was there when i was a young person and came out yeah. and um it was uh very special to have darcel and 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 uh you know that yeah it was and then we you'd go to hobos which was next door yeah. have dinner and then you'd go over yeah portland portland is was kind of everyone thinks it's very i don't know very conservative lumberjacks kind of uh out in the woods kind of a community and it and yet it's got this very uh liberal underside on one on one side of it that you yeah. wouldn't expect uh in a port yeah. city it's an oasis for sure uh <laughs> and and growing up in the 80s uh portland was the oasis i, I didn't live in portland so i but i would go to portland um yeah. to have a safe place to be i worked at a place a, a coffee shop called roxy hearts which oh was- i love roxy hearts they had uh, <laughs> You're kidding. We got. We need to talk offline. We yeah. probably can bore too many people. But I, uh, the first time I went in a pride parade was I had. I was in a car club and we had all our cars in the parade there. Uh-huh. The pride nice. parade. Yeah. We. Yeah. I had. Uh, yeah. I can even think of some of the dignitaries, like local dignitaries, I had in my cars that, that uh, convertibles. You know, we just and we loved so it. Cool, yeah, I was cool before I knew I was cool. Yeah, you were. You're right. <laughs> yeah. No, it's amazing, though, that the street that was uh, that Roxy Hearts was on, because Roxy Hearts was a, a, a gay, um, gay-owned gay coffee shop. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, that was a, a safe place for the queer kids and, and also adults, obviously, to go to. But uh, a lot of young people, we would flock there because um, we could be ourselves. Yeah, I love Roxy Hearts. Anyone come to town, I'd get my convertible out and put the top down, whether it was 20 degrees outside or sunny, and we'd go to Roxy Hearts. That's great. How long did you live in Portland? Um, From about 84. Well, I've been in and out of Portland, about 84 to about uh, 90. Yeah, yeah, Yeah. okay. Yeah. It was wonderful. It was wonderful for me. I figured I'd never leave there. But I wound up in this dump in Southern California. I don't know. <laughs> no. yeah. I think for me, I mean, at 14 years old in a, in a very conservative, and this is all for all you people out there in the Midwest suffering and decide, wondering if there's a, a rainbow beyond uh, your doorway. There is, yeah. let me tell you, because I, I personal experience, I never thought I would wind up in a beach city doing what I'm doing, talking about being gay on the radio with wonderful people like Davina 
and and talk about things that I feel are terribly important. And there's one other topic I want to toss in there. Guys need to learn to cry once in a while. When they overwhelmed with feelings and emotion, it's okay. Shed yeah. a tear. I mean, tears of joy. I don't just mean just tragedy, but tears of joy. When you see something that makes pleases you to the point where you, like, whether it's a puppy or I don't know what, it's okay. You know, someone says, oh, don't cry. Don't do that. No, no. Encourage them, please. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you want to have access to all of your emotions. It's important for men to have access to their sadness, and it's important for women to have access to their anger. It's yeah. like it's all parts of us. Yeah. <laughs> That's interesting. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, women. <laughs> I just want to, since you mentioned folks that might be living in a situation or a town that's that's conservative, like you know Tennessee or whatever, I just want to say um, I spent a lot of time also helping people come out of the closet, and you know obviously I had to come out of the closet myself, and then you come out and you also have to deal with your own inner homophobia, and so I just want to say for anybody that's listening, like you've got to liberate yourself from the uh, you know fundamentalist, evangelical, homophobic, heteronormative crap that's in your own head. It's like we wow. hear things when we're young and vulnerable and open, and then we continue to carry those voices around in our head as we get older. And you've got to love yourself and liberate yourself from all of other people's opinions about what it means to be gay. You can't, you got to you know stop thumping yourself yeah. over the head with other people's Bible verses. It's so important because... Sometimes, like, we can leave those places, we can leave our small towns behind, we can do all that stuff, but then we find ourselves in the big city and that we, there's still, like, these little yeah. pieces of inner, in, internalized homophobia that says, I don't deserve to be happy, I don't deserve to be loved, I'm going to die alone, I'm, I'm going to, you know, people are going to hate me, I, I don't belong, I'm not enough, and please know that you are enough, that you do deserve love, that there's nothing wrong with you. Um, the only thing that's wrong with you is believing that there's something wrong with you. It, it's <laughs> it's unlearning all of that shame and that homophobia, getting all of that crap out of your psyche, out of your body, and loving yourself 1,000%. You deserve to be here. You deserve to be happy. Gay people transgender people, non-binary people, bisexual people, pansexual people, there's nothing inferior about us. Our love is equal. Our love may be different, but it is absolutely worthy and valuable in the same ways. Oh my so God. just want to really put that out there, that that's super important. I think that I want to put that out there over. Thank you. Thank you. I love that every word you uttered, every, it's, and I, I think for for me, well, I'm going back to me, but for most people, let's say, I think we, those things become habits Yes, and, and they become part of us and we don't realize how ingrained they are. And we forget. I remember the first time I dated someone who had kids and he says that he had kids and I thought, oh, I can't be a parent because I'm gay. And I thought, and, and this was not all that long ago. And I'm thinking, why am I thinking that? You know, I'd probably be an excellent been brainwashed. Mom. I've been, yeah, and, and, and that was not in my cards. And my time is up. Is there any one last word you want? Thank Rick for being here. Yeah. Oh, yeah, I enjoyed listening. And I, her, I, her books are amazing, all of them. So I love Flowers for Sarah. And right. uh, I've, I've known her a long time. So, yeah, I, I enjoyed listening in. Thanks. Thank you, Rick, for being here. Yeah, and Rick Rick has written some wonderful books, um, uh, Rainbow Relatives and uh, the Catering Book. Do you want to say yeah, that? Yeah, How Catering Sucked the Life Right Out of Me. But yeah, you, I interviewed Davina in Rainbow Relatives. So yeah, that was really cool. I've known her a long time and she's wonderful. So 
Uh, yeah, I love writing as well. And so I relate to all of what you said. <laughs> Rick and I um, met at a, uh, uh, at Gay Pride in Los Angeles, at LGBT Pride in Los Angeles, marching together in the PFLAG contingent. Yes. Um, or we met at a, at a, PFLAG, a mutual PFLAG friends uh, Oscar party and um, have supported each other on our journey and just gotten to know each other. And uh, Rick actually inspired me to start going to screenwriting and to write in a deeper way. So Rick mm-hmm. is a fantastic screenwriter, fantastic songwriter, fantastic <laughs> writer himself. So I just, Rick, Rick Karatis, everybody, check him out. Thanks. So, and I'm going to invite both of you back and we'll do this all over again. Thanks again for showing up. KXFM okay. 104.7. Craig here signing off. And Ida May is right here chomping at the bit, ready to go. So stay tuned. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs>